Welcome back to a new episode of Nature Boost, the Missouri Department of Conservation's podcast that brings people and nature together. I'm Jill Pritchard. When polled, a majority of Missourians agree that one of their favorite nature pastimes is watching wildlife, but living in harmony with wildlife is another story. I'm joined today by my friends and MDC staff experts, Lauren Hildreth, and then our uh, wildlife damage biologists, Josh Wisdom and Daryl Dameron. Thanks for having us. So living with wildlife you guys are kind of the people you call whenever um you're having issues with wildlife on your property correct dealing with nuisance wildlife all right just general nuisance conflict property damage loss associated with wildlife what prompted you two to want to work in this area I thought I would be a, a good fit for this job because I'm a fur trapper. But really, when I got into this job, I realized it's not about fur trapping. It's about assisting people. It's about helping people solve problems. I I've often tell people you know, my, my job as a bartender and during college probably suited me better for some of the things I deal with now as a damage biologist than actual be- the wildlife management <laughs> classes I took. Because <laughs> I mean, people, they don't like wildlife sometimes. And sometimes you have to deal with problems on their property. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. What about you, Josh? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm from Mizzou. I'm, I'm a local kid. Grew up watching Jeremiah Johnson as a kid and that kind of stuff. And it was like, man, if I can just do that kind of work all the time. And Daryl's 100% correct. It's really people management, not animal management. I, you, you talk to a lot of Missouri residents on the phone and just kind of calm people down a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Daryl, you're based in Columbia. I am. I, I, I'm officed in Columbia, but mm-hmm. I have the northern 32 counties, the northeastern corner of the state, basically. And then, Josh, you're kind of southwest Yep, I have 20 counties in the southwest corner, so everything that touches Oklahoma, Arkansas, big chunks of national forest ground there. And so just between me and Daryl, we're going to see vastly two different things Mm -hmm. just because of the landscape. Right. Lauren, I know at MDC you are a big proponent of this topic. You know, why do you think it's so important for people to be aware of trying to help them coexist with wildlife? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, a lot of the folks I've interacted with, it's just people not understanding and not being educated. So it's just a misunderstanding of why the squirrel is in their backyard or why the coyotes walk through their front yard. You know, they don't have to be afraid. They can live with wildlife and be happy. Both wildlife and people can end up living happily together, uh, kind of in an, an ideal world with some cases. You know, sometimes animals do cause issues and, you know, need to have something done. But a lot of the main problems can be alleviated through education and understanding the world around you. And so I'm a big proponent of this just because, you know, growing up, I didn't grow up hunting, fishing, really being outside much. And so I kind of got a lot of my animal side from, you know, watching TV and watching Animal Planet and all of that. I feel like I still had some of that fear of, you know, if I saw a skunk in my backyard, I probably would have beat my pants, you know, like I, (laughs) but, you know, but now it's like, if I saw one, I'd be like, okay, we're fine. Just keep, you know, keep going along. But, you know, it's just kind of a different, different mentality and folks in different parts of the state are going to know different things. Very well said. It always starts anything with spreading that awareness at first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually woke up to a possum in my front yard the other day. It was kind of gross. My dog threw up and, a possum and, was and the, the possum was eating the throat. Yeah. They are scavengers. So um, do you get more common calls, certain calls um, 
during certain times of year, I'm guessing, you know? Yeah, I think our busiest time of year, of course, is during the spring when all animals come back out. They start having young of the year and they, they find burrows to, to do that nesting and, and, and denning. That's the busiest time of year. And then, of course, the fall is busy too. Mm-hmm. So. so do you have any bizarre or crazy stories, funny stories dealing with wildlife? I'm sure you have a lot, but I'm just uh, curious. I've gotten lots of things out of buildings, hawks out of buildings, warehouses, apartment buildings, raccoons, whatever. The occasional deer in a building. We've had bears in buildings in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. sure so you never know what's going to happen. It's Every day is a different day. So, okay, Tina the turkey. That was just a um, an interesting topic out of Columbia. Uh, well, you know, Tina was a young male turkey that started hanging around some businesses in central Columbia. Became a friendly critter to most people that were around. Some businesses nicknamed it Tina. It hung around and they fed it. It gathered a following. I mean, it became, you know, there was a big following on Facebook and other places. People named it Tina. They they made t-shirts for it. He, he, he almost had a become, foundation. Yeah, like know? a little mascot. Yeah, a little mascot for this. He lived around a very busy intersection. It's caused traffic to back up at times and caused actually some fender bend I read even at one point he led police on a chase. He did. He made the six o'clock news. Columbia Police Department was chasing him around with sheets and trying to capture him. And then we got involved a couple of days later. So we had a few members of our staff chase it around as well. When we finally made a decision to get rid of him and move him to somewhere else. But he ended up getting hit by a truck on one of those busy roads. And we tried to capture it with some safe means in the guise of public safety, but before it hurt somebody bad. Yeah. And Tina was doing a lot of property damage too, correct? Jumping yeah. on cars, some, roofs. And, yeah. Some, but mostly stopping traffic. And yeah. He'd walk out in the middle of an intersection at four o'clock in the afternoon and just stop traffic, basically. I'm a little conflicted hearing this because I think that is a good segue into um, another topic I wanted to talk about as far as leaving wildlife wild. I think that's the beauty of human nature is that we all kind of have that soft spot for animals. We like having our pets, but there's a difference between pets and wildlife as far as, I mean, they were feeding that turkey and then it kind of lost its fear of humans. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I mean, he was displaced from his his mom was probably hit by a car or something, and he's the only turkey left out of that, the only poult left out of that group, and so he just kind of hung around and found food and water. I mean, how many Facebook followers did he have? You, you remember 2,000, um, 2,900? Yeah, there, were, like there were, yeah, I yeah. think 3,000 so. or so. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was it was a big following yeah, on it there. Was. It was yeah. almost, Tina was like a little local celebrity. <laughs> yeah. they, had a, they held a vigil for him after he died. I yeah. Mean, at, at, eight, at 8 o'clock in, in the evening, the day he died, they had a vigil planned and there was 30 or 40 people there with candles. I think maybe that's extreme, but you're right. People do get attached to wildlife, especially when they get to see it mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I think especially uh, that's that's a big campaign of MDCs in the spring is like you were saying when when all the newborn babies are coming about and you tend to think that some wildlife looks abandoned but they're really not and people have a tendency to bring animals into their homes and feed them kind of a can of worms you don't really want to open yeah no you don't want to feed wildlife yeah especially orphan and orphaned wildlife leave it alone leave it there some of it's going to perish but some of it's going to perish anyway that's just the way it is nearly zero chance if you try to rehabilitate that animal or 
take it in and raise it. Yeah, you can keep it alive, but once you turn it loose, it doesn't have a chance, really. Yeah. And and a big thing, too, I mean, this might sound harsh, but you got to listen to me, is there's no waste in nature. So even if it's a juvenile raccoon that expires, well, now that's food for that possum, and she's going to feed it to her babies or whatever. So there are other things that are going to need that food source, whether it's a dead juvenile of that year, to feed their juveniles. Coyotes feeding coyote pups, etc. Mm-hmm. You either got to be for all lot, you can't pick favorites. Well, I like raccoons, but I don't like coyotes. I like this, I don't like that. It's all it's all part of the system. And you have your own story um, with that bear down at the Lake of the Ozarks that mm-hmm. people were feeding. Mm-hmm. And that was the bear that was caught on camera swimming, correct? Yep. yep. And so, I mean, we could have a whole deal on bears. But but yeah, obviously, the big thing we always stress is never feed a bear. And the reason for that, and, and we say this, is a fed bear is a dead bear. In that particular case, the bear didn't have to be put down. But the bear did go through a harassment, a tool that we used to harass bears. It had an unpleasant experience on purpose. That's the point, is to get it to make sure it instills that fear in humans and to not like that particular location it was hanging out around. Uh, but yeah, anytime that you feed wildlife... Ultimately, it's the wildlife that loses. Either either bears become habituated and ultimately have to be put down. If people are, let's say, feeding white bread to ducks and geese in a city park, the geese get all fat, basically. They have, you know, angel wing. There's a whole bunch of... It's basically like if you just lived on a steady diet of donuts. You have all kinds of health issues. And so, ultimately... Homer Simpson. Yeah, you know, Homer Simpson. So, so they're going to start having health issues. You're going to have weird diseases pop up. There's a lot of problems with feeding any type of wildlife. And... and and like you were saying, people like to n- nurture things. And, and it's a fine line because you want people to appreciate nature and you can understand why they want to see it. But you've got to have everything in a context. And and right. so, again, now everybody's got I got two different smartphones here on my desk. But, you know, take your picture and go on. Enjoy the moment. But we don't have to have raccoons eating out of our hands to enjoy wildlife. Very well said. And there's also kind of uh, the rule of thumb, too, with leaving wildlife wild is depending on how large the animal is. If you hold up one thumb, if you can put like the animal body behind your thumb, then you're far enough away. So with like a chipmunk, you can be a little bit closer because they're smaller. But if it's a bear, you'll have to be a lot farther away. Because I know, I mean, we hear be a hundred yards away. And I'm terrible at distance judging. So even if you said a football field, I don't really know when I'm in the woods what that means. But if you kind of do that rule of thumb is that at least gives people a little more of a consistent thing to say, okay, I'm I'm far enough away, realizing that it's not like chipmunk are going to come like grab your leg or anything. But. Well, and kind of on that same school of thought, another reason I don't like for people to start feeding wildlife is what happens in, in today's age is you have, we're going to say a bear because everybody can understand. People feed a bear in the backyard and then, so they're getting all these cool pictures and they're putting them on Facebook. Well, now his neighbor wants the same kind of picture. So he starts putting food out in his backyard. Oh, yeah. And before you have it, you know, within two weeks, there's six different food plots down this backyard where this bear now just lives in these people's yards all the time. And things escalate very, very quickly. Yeah. Feeding is is always ultimately bad and even if it's on purpose or not also unusual food sources too would be not thinking about oh your grill is food or even just a bowl of dog food it could be empty and just the residual is enough to bring them close whether or not they're actually getting that food reward they're still getting close enough that maybe they find something else or maybe you see them for the first time when they walk up to investigate the food bowl that's enough of a oh oh there's a raccoon on my back you know back mm-hmm. porch that's sort of thing. So that goes for lots of other animals as well. So it's just kind of thinking about if I was wildlife, what would be attracting to me to this property? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I can totally see that. Yeah. A lot of times you can just remove that food source for right. a short period of time and those animals will go find some other place to, to locate food. Still kind of related along this, but we were talking about, um, especially in this day of social media, you know, everybody's got to get a picture. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to take a video. We see a lot of these videos posted online of people saving what they think are abandoned wildlife. What are your thoughts on those types of videos that we see? I mean, because they are heartwarming and they are sweet. Are we ultimately doing the animal a disservice? I think so. I think we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of quick things. For instance, let's say baby raccoons. That's a big thing. People like them. Especially it's the, their like hands their that hands. I really yeah. like. They get off fat the, the and chubby, thumbs. you know, that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> people like seeing them. I appreciate that. One, when they get old, they get real mean. Everybody really? I've ever talked to from, you know, people that their grandparents used to do it or whatever. It was a different time 100 years ago. But people would have raccoons. They almost always got really mean when they got old. They ended up letting them go or putting them down. And so, again, if it was a raccoon that you raised as a pet in your house, house and now it's basically it can never be wild because it doesn't know how to be wild right right. Uh, and then especially with raccoons you have like raccoon roundworm and a bunch of parasites that are naturally in those animals that now you may be exposing yourself to that you would needlessly need to be doing that there was actually a woman contacted me she was wanting to know about the turtle in st louis let's tell the story of peanut one of the um like a six pack of soda the little plastic rings um, got around a turtle and then it just continued to grow and the plastic Mm. restricted its shell growth and so it just kind of like turned into this little hourglass peanut shape Mm -hmm. kind of become a litter prevention mascot mascot. Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah I mean it's very clear was hampered by but I I don't know what all is if there's anything wrong or if they did any x-rays of like internal organs how that shifted because of the Good Plastic point. Ring. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure either. Seems to be doing okay, though. I mean, I pretty big size now. Yeah. What would you like people to take away from this as far as coexisting with wildlife? You know, wildlife causing damage. Mm-hmm. As a landowner, as a, as a homeowner, whatever, you have property. Wildlife code provides you the right to protect your property against wildlife causing damage beyond a reasonable doubt. You can shoot that wildlife. You can trap that wildlife to get it off your property. And you can do that. Lethal control is not necessarily the best long-term solution. Many times excluding that wildlife from coming back is a long-term fix and killing that one animal is really just putting a Band-Aid on a bigger problem. So it's something you need to think about. Um, You have the right to remove that wildlife, but sometimes you need to change the way you do business to, to prevent that from happening over and over and over again. I mean, I think that's a key takeaway. And I think also just because you see wildlife in your backyard doesn't necessarily mean that they're an issue. And that if you see a raccoon or a possum in your backyard, you may not, they're not doing damage, but maybe kind of taking a step back and looking at your property and seeing what could they potentially get into and maybe trying to fix some of that ahead of time before there's an issue could also be a way to kind of take a step back and, and prevent things from happening as well. But yeah. definitely that exclusion is is a big you piece. Know, I mean, when people build the subdivision, a lot of times they build big retaining walls and they put boulders in place to, to hold back soil from the yard back behind you or whatever. And you're really just creating a, a home for groundhogs. But are groundhogs really all that bad? I mean, really? They're I mean, stinking cute is I, what they are. My dog loves to chase them. Know, <laughs> unless, they're, unless they're threatening a foundation or a slab of concrete or something by burrowing under that. If they're in your backyard, back against a, a retaining wall made of 
boulders. They're really just kind of cool to have around. Uh, we talked earlier about red foxes. I, we get a lot of red fox calls from inside city limits in the spring of the year because they seem to want to burrow right beside and have a den and have pups right beside people's houses or under sheds or that sort of thing. They're not hurting anything. You know, I take lots of calls every spring. I know Josh does yep. too. But we try to get people just admire them, enjoy them, take their picture, put them on Facebook and do all those kind of things and enjoy them for a period of time. Then they're going to be gone. They'll move those pups on and you just have to deal with them for a little while. In the meantime, they're going to drag a bunch of dead birds and moles and voles to your to your house and feed it to their pups, but our kits, but they're getting rid of those things that we, we don't necessarily get rid of ourselves, like moles and voles, that sort of thing. And that's, and that's actually one thing I think many people don't realize too, is that, Hey, there's actually a benefit to them too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Possums eat ticks. Yeah. So one, just because you see anything, it doesn't mean it's life or death. Uh, two, a lot of times people will call because, well, there was a coyote. My dog was barking at it or it was barking at my dog. Have you tried turning a light on? Have you tried honking your car horn? Have you just went out there and yelled at it? Have you done literally anything? In Springfield, where I'm at, I've, I could point on a map places I have pretty constant coyote appearances. Sure. I'm not going to call them problems, but appearances. Mm-hmm. These coyotes were born in the same town you were. They see people every day just like you were. They've never been hunted. They've never been trapped. They've never been chased by a dog for the most part so they've never had a negative interaction with a person in their life they don't they're not to say that they're unafraid of you as if they look at you as a prey item but they're unafraid of you just like deer on golf courses are unafraid of golfers i see you every day and i've never had a problem Mm -hmm. and so like especially this time of year going in now february coyotes are naturally in their breeding cycle so they get a little bit antsy and they don't see dogs as a dog it's competition it's something that's going to try to compete with my mate compete with my food compete with my territory and so again have you ever just tried being mean quote unquote you know like i said yelling doing anything negative but just a negative interaction with that wildlife to make it understand that this is not a safe place for you to go Mm -hmm. i mean very simple kind of like daryl saying just changes of the way you do business just thinking on a bigger scale that will get you a long way yeah absolutely normal for that like josh said normal for that urban coyote is not normal is the same normal as a coyote that lives in rural missouri who gets chased by dogs, gets shot right. at, gets pursued all the time. It, it, normal for him is just to watch you walk by on the sidewalk. Yeah. And just keeping dogs leashed yeah, and that, all I mean, of that too. And yeah. and yeah, banging pots and pans. Being a good pet steward yeah. is the best way to protect your pet from all wildlife. Yep. You know, we get a lot of calls. I know Josh does and I do too about is a red tail hawk going to kill my cat? Is Are these coyotes going to kill my cat? Honestly, if you're a good pet steward, you're going to protect that cat from cars and dogs and owls and all those other things as well. Be Very a good well pet said. steward. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Small dogs late at night, if you're letting them out, you should probably be with them if you have coyotes yeah. in your area. They, they're, they've been known to kill dogs. House like, cats. Like house cats, those sort of things. Just so being proactive. Be a good pet steward. Yeah. You know the coyotes are there is key. Have you ever just had like just something so nonsense they call you about? Sasquatch. I'm no. serious. More, more than once. So you've had Sasquatch calls, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Chupacabra. Yep. Yeah. Well, do, Chupacabra is potentially a coyote with me. It's a mangy coyote. Or, yeah. or a mangy bear or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But Sasquatch, I mean. Black Panthers. Black Panthers. All. That's yes. the biggest one. That, yeah. They, uh, they simply don't exist, but people think they do. Right. But again, things like that happen. Yes, well, I'm so. sure at this point you've kind of heard everything under the sun. Just when you think you've heard it all, something new will come along. Tomorrow yeah. you're going to get a, a phone call. Oh, yeah. So Daryl and I are also, we're kind of unique that we do have uh, chemical immobilization, for lack of a better word, tranquilizer darts. Okay, thank you. Professionals for, call it chemical immobilization. Gotcha. And so, I mean, we've been asked, I've helped agents 
before with like illegal pets that people weren't supposed to have, like captive wolves, things like that, that were really completely not right, not legal, stuff like that. We've been yeah. tasked for before too. Deer jumps through a plate glass window at a grocery mm. store or something in rural Missouri. Maybe you get a call. Can you dart this? Yeah, you can do that. You two are the only two damage biologists all that six have of, All six of Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, all six. There's six damage biologists in the state. We all have pretty big territories. Yeah. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's really all I had, guys. Do you have anything else you'd like to add as far as final takeaways? Leave wildlife wild. Enjoy wildlife. Yes. And if you have a problem with it, call somebody. Call one of our offices. Our people are very well versed at giving you answers for the most part. And if they don't have the answer, they'll pass it on to a conservation agent and then on to us if it's out of their expertise. And you can also, our website has a wealth of information. Look on our website. Look at some of the videos we've made. Lots of things just to try and educate yourself on you know, the issue you're having and see whether or not you can handle it yourself or if you need a little bit more guidance from an MDC staffer, that that also is a, a great way to kind of start some of that conversation. Yeah, our program is an extension program, so we'll be helping you. Mm-hmm. We don't usually do it for people. I, I guess kind of a closing thought, I guess, on my end is so everything's about how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And so especially with wildlife and urban areas, or whatever, it's, you're fortunate. The fact that in South Missouri, you can see maybe a bear in your yard in some parts. You can see a coyote and a fox and a deer and a turkey all in the same yard that's fortunate and at one i think it's good that people can have that connection to wildlife even in a fairly urban area it's good that it's important it's a valuable resource these are native species i think that's important and i hope maybe that's enough to kind of spur people especially as we seem to have this disconnect from wildlife that they really do serve a purpose they are valuable so it's all kind of perspective it's an opportunity it's not a problem very well said. we build a lot of green space into our communities mm-hmm. and this is the result we have wildlife thankfully we do yeah, yeah that was not the case what 50 years ago mm-hmm. very true all right thank you all so much i think this was a really informative discussion all right I want to again thank my guests, MDC Wildlife Program Supervisor Lauren Hildreth and our wildlife damage biologist Daryl Dameron and Josh Wisdom. For more information on living with wildlife, visit MissouriConservation.org. And thanks again for listening to Nature Boost. This is Jill Pritchard with the Missouri Department of Conservation urging you to get your daily dose of the outdoors.